are listening to Bicycle Retail Radio, brought to you by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. Welcome to another episode of Bicycle Retail Radio, produced by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. Specialty bicycle retailers are the heart of the cycling industry. And since 1946, the NBDA has existed to strengthen these businesses through education, research, communication, and advocacy. The NBDA is a nonprofit supported by the membership of participating retailers and industry partners. If you are not already a member, you can learn more and join online at nbda.com. This is Heather Mason, NBDA president. Today's episode features retailer bests from NBDA board members. As a year-end finale, we have invited several members of the NBDA board to join us to share wisdom, best advice for retailers as we wrap up 2022 and head into 2023. Where should retailers focus? Any tips? Thoughts about vendor relations, cash flow, staffing, and fixed costs? We have five board members joining us in this very special episode focused on ensuring specialty bicycle retailers' future success. The board of directors is composed of MBDA member retailers who have been elected based on their personal commitment to advancing the industry and to leveraging their expertise in service of our members. They oversee the organization's financial resources, decision-making, and practices to ensure ethical, legal governance and a sustainable future. Let's dive in. All right, let's dive in. My first guest is MBDA Board Chair Peter Henry from Landry's Bicycles in Massachusetts. Peter started in the bike industry when he graduated in 1974. He was drawn to bike retail because he loved fixing bikes, and he listed his occupation as bicycle mechanic into the 90s. After growing to four stores in 1996, he shifted his focus to the financial management of the business. He's been a member of the MBDA's Profitability Project, that's P2, since it started in 2012. An MBDA board member since 2017, he is also chair of the MBDA Best Practices Committee. The NBDA Best Practices Committee has a mission to guide retailers and suppliers to better practices for working together. Welcome to Bicycle Retail Radio, Peter. Thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm really looking forward to learning from you your retailers' best tips as we move into 2023. We've been through so much as an industry the past couple of years, and I'm hearing that retailers possibly have too much inventory not the right inventory, some are facing staffing issues, cash flow troubles, and that relationship with vendors is a topic that we continue to touch on. So Peter, just just hear this big picture viewpoint. What are you thinking? What's the sound advice for retailers looking to make 2023 a profitable year? Well, nobody has any idea what exactly is going to happen, but there is a lot of inventory out there. So number one, get your inventory lean much more danger from too much than from not enough. You can always get more. Anybody will sell to you if you have a decent business and you can use product. That's really great advice. Get your inventory lean. How do we do that, Peter? Can we go a little bit deeper into that? I mean, I see sales, discounting, any strategies you'd recommend? Well, you want to find ways to sell things other than just marking it down. But typically, you're going to need some markdown, but always combine that with something else. Make sure you know why, get good and clear on why you're the best, why they should buy from you instead of from anybody else in the world. 
you know, always lead with with why to do that and that it's on sale right now is just the reason to buy right now. That's your call to action, but not the reason. But yeah, look at every every alternative besides the markdown. How do you display it? How do you, how are you going to talk about it? Think about who buy this. I mean, not everybody's going to buy every product and watch for those candidates and then make sure you always show it to the people that, that are possible candidates to buy it. And that's all stuff that you've always done, I'm sure. But after two years where you didn't actually have to sell, you just had to have it in stock. It's tough to get that restarted again. Yeah. You probably have no staff that has no idea what it means to actually sell something. That's been a topic that's come up a lot in our meetings, Peter, is that we went through this time of not having to actually sell. And now we have a point where maybe the door traffic isn't as much as it used to be. And we really have to capitalize on everyone coming in the door. So I love that point that you just made there. Moving over to the financial side of things, I you've been our instructor at our financial forecasting class. For those looking to optimize cash flow, make a plan into 2023, any words of advice there? Well, it really helps if you understand how your profit and loss statement, how your cash flow statement, and how your how your balance sheet all fit together. The profit and loss and your cash flow, which is to say the decisions of what you do with your money. I'll drive the balance sheet, which is to say how much money you have, how much cash you have, how your assets are spread up. Yeah, these days it really pays to make sure that you have plenty of cash, not too much in inventory, because you can always buy inventory, especially if you have cash. And yeah, if you can put that together into a model out into the future, then you're way ahead of the game. I mean, you got to crunch some serious numbers to know, gee, if I take a three-point hit on my margin, but I grow my sales 15%, in this next month, have I helped myself or hurt myself? It's pretty situation specific. Yeah, so so join a P2 group by all means, and you'll have lots of other retailers with plenty of experience who can help you navigate these things. And even better, be trying to get another another section of this class out there so that the rest of you can uh, join in and learn how to peek into the future and see how how your business will be impacted by the various decisions that you could be making today. Yeah, getting a I've been I've been lucky enough to sit in on a couple of the classes that you've been teaching to our P2 members and the advice and and the guidance, just forecasting and how you're making these spreadsheets seems to be really impacting everyone's business. So looking forward to bringing that forward to our members to take advantage of and and take a class as well in the future. Peter, you are chair of our best practices committee, working with retailers and suppliers to guide best practices forward. In regards specifically to vendor relationships, I know there's a lot of vendors right now asking for maybe large orders or shipping items that maybe retailers would be better not to take right now. It seems like there's a lot of different issues out there. Any thoughts just in regards to best practices with vendors? Well, you're running your business. Your own brand is the only brand you care about. You need to know what makes you best other than having the best brands. I mean, that's proved to be a really poor think that your brand is the brand of bikes that you sell has proved to be a really poor strategy in the last couple of years and maybe worse in the coming year or two or three. Buy from suppliers that are the right supplier for you for the future. It's not so much how big they are right now, but how good is their leadership? Are they people that you like and that you trust? How straight are they about their own plans for the future and do their plans align with your plans? Even if the supplier can't do much for you right now or can't do a lot for you right now, but you believe that they're headed in the right direction, try to develop a business relationship with them. Buy what you can from them so that your 
you get to know them, they get to know you, and you get to steer them in the direction that you'd like them to go. You know, often it's better to be big with a small supplier than to be inconsequential with a big supplier. And these days, you can be pretty darn big and still be inconsequential to some of the big suppliers out there. And always protect your relationships with the good people in the industry. Even if your company and theirs are going in different directions right now, the good people tend to still be in the industry in another year, another five years, another 10 years. So keep a good relationship with them so that they think of you first when they look for who are their customers going to be and whatever they're doing next. That's really important. Yeah. And this business is a lot of fun when you deal with good people. And, you know, we have, we got all types in this industry. There are people that you don't necessarily want to have as your, you know, friends or your business relationships. Don't bother. I mean, life is too short to waste your time time with those people. Focus on the people that you want to do business with that, that you can trust that will watch out for you or at least not, at least not hurt you. I mean, they're focused, of course, on their business. Just make sure that they, they, take care of the people that are important to them and important to their business. That is fantastic advice. It is those deep interpersonal connections that working with people who are looking out for you and your business. And for our listeners, the work of the Best Practices Committee can be found on the MBDA website, mbda.com backslash connects, MBDA connects, working with vendors. And the Best Practices Committee has published four documents, which you can find on that page and highly suggest you review those. Peter, thank you for coming on. I do have one more question for you. This might be a little bit catchy off guard here. Might you share with our listeners some of the best retailer business advice that you have ever received? Well, you know, I have had a few good one-liners that were given to me by customers you know, one that's really stuck with me over the years said, never be afraid to charge what it truly costs to do the job right. And, you know, I wanted to pass that along a couple of times. I've been in a restaurant where they were just so, so overrun. And you could tell that they wanted to do a good job, but they just didn't have enough people to do it. And, you know, they were a great restaurant and they were priced like a mediocre restaurant. You know, a few more bucks, they could have hired the people they needed. It would have been a fabulous, fabulous place. Right. That's good. That's some good one. Peter, thank you so much for coming on and for your work with the MBDA. I enjoy working with you so much. I really appreciate the work of the Best Practices Committee too. And yeah, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Heather. The pleasure is all mine. All right. My next guest is Kent Cranford, MBDA board member since 2017, prior owner of Motion Makers with several locations in Asheville, North Carolina, a member of the MBDA Best Practices Committee. Welcome to Bicycle Retail Radio. Kent, thank you for coming on the show. Sure thing, Heather. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. Good. Thank you. Yeah, so I am so appreciative of you taking the time to share your retailer best tips as we move into 2023. You and I had a chance to ride a couple weeks ago down in North Carolina, which is amazing. And we did have some conversations about this crazy, wild ride the industry has been on. Big picture, what do you yep. think? What's your advice right now? <laughs> you just took the words right out of my mouth. It's a crazy wild ride. Just the hanging on, ride out this storm for whatever it is, is probably the biggest thing right now. We all have to be positive. We're going to have to hunker down and go back to basics, I think. And it's, it's going to be, 23 is going to be a crazy year. Yeah, I remember we were talking specifically just about, uh, it was Black Friday when we were riding together and talking about the holiday sales and heavy inventory. 
So talking specifically about navigating inventory management and those challenges. So you, you've heard my feelings there a little bit. I mean, inventory, we can't fall in love with it and we can't be married to it. And a lot of us have owned way, way too much of it at this time. And the way I see it is if you have inventory that everybody else has and, and they particularly have it on sale in the marketplace, you need to put it on sale and get rid of it. I, as a retailer for years and years, was just mortally opposed to having a sale or putting things on sale. I did not want to train my customers to expect a sale and to just hang out and wait for that. But the big retailers have already trained all of our customers to expect sales and to keep their eyes open for it and look for it. The best part of that is they've trained them that it fits into a certain time period. It goes on sale this day and on this day, it's not on sale anymore. And 99% of the customers will not come in the next day going, hey, that was on sale. Can I still get it? Just like they do with other stores, they're used to it. It's the sale was for this period of time and now it's over. So I, I feel like that getting out of the inventory that that is in excess, particularly stuff that's paid for or stuff that's dated a little bit, you just got to get rid of it at this point. Because this, you know, probably coming up after Christmas is probably going to be the last hurrah to get rid of that until springtime hits and turn it into cash now because you probably already paid for it. That's great advice. That's great advice. You know, being down around the trails with you, we visited several retailers. It seems like you're friends with everyone. You've been a member of our of our P2 program for several years. And, you know, with that program, we work really close with other retailers. In your opinion, you know, leaning on other people, getting the feedback of what other people are going through, what what's working for them. You advocate for that, Kat? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, most of us in our markets don't have other retailers that we can just pick up the phone and call or stop in their store and visit. You know, occasionally there might be somebody, but even then you don't really trade like true like secrets of what's going on with them. So that's what was so great about P2 is, you know, there were shops that were similar shops that had similar markets that, you know, I can always talk to and lean on or make a phone call or just even amongst the whole group, just get into a Sometimes really, really good discussions about what do we do? What do we do? Do we put stuff on sale? You know, what do we do with employees? You know, what do we do with that employee that's dragging everybody down that we have to have? They're the most necessary person that we have. And we all know that we got to let them go and everybody will be happier for it. But it's so hard to do it. Having the reinsurance of uh, other retailers that are in similar positions to reach out to is is just critical. And so even if you're not in a P2 group, you probably have a peer or two around the country and just you need to stay in contact with them. I know this is going to be a tough year. So definitely reach out to them. That's why we're bringing the board members on. I'm like, I, I yep. need the board members to share. You're a member of our best practices committee, re- really bringing forward some great documents about retailers and suppliers mm-hmm. working in unison, supporting each other. I've had a lot of retailers reach out and say the margins aren't good. My vendors are shipping stuff I didn't ask for about making a change. Just your viewpoint on working with vendors, those relationships. How can we set up to have the best possible relationship with our vendors? Be in communication with them. Everything from if you have an outside rep that you actually communicate with, letting them know where you are and how you're doing. If you have an inside rep that you have a good relationship with, I know the B2B situation of our business has kind of changed some of those relationships. So you you might want to renew them, pick up the phone and call that inside person that you email with all the time that you've never actually talked to. 
just so they know where you are. And then, of course, critically, the credit managers send them some chocolates. <laughs> it's Christmas. <laughs> you know, treat them well. Obviously, you want to treat all of your suppliers with as much respect because they don't, they deal with people yelling at them all the time. And you being another person yelling at them isn't going to get you any favors. Being kind and working with them, they're all having a hard time too. So I love that. And I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. I mean, motion makers, I mean, I've seen the cool socks. I've, I've seen the MTV t-shirts. I mean, really, you've really got the culture of your store into your community. I, I know you've done a bunch of rides and events for retailers who are truly looking to brand their unique store. Any tips there, Kent? Just, you know, let people bring ideas to you. Most of the cool ideas that like the MTV shirt, you know, were brought to us by customers. They were like, we wanted to do this. And it's like, all right, that's great. Sounds good. I don't think we'll get a cease and desist letter. (laughs) I love it. And how important is it to make time to ride? I mean, we're working day in and day out in the business. I know you've been riding more recently. Just thoughts about that? It's critical. It's why we're in this business. We were laughing with Phil when we were at his P2 meeting about people for bikes video series of Shake Off the Monster. (laughs) And it it reminded me of how great an idea that is to shake off the monster, get out there and ride your bike to the store, ride it to work, or just get out and pedal. All right. Final question for you. I know this is a hard one to ask for the best or the top, but I'm sure you've gotten a lot of business advice over the years. Some of the best business advice you've received? Probably to, you'll love this, join the MBDA and get in a P2 group. <laughs> you didn't set me up for that either. Pay him to say that. <laughs> but those were truly the things that kept me in business and differentiated me from my competitors. And I always felt like I had people to lean on and people to ask questions and a place to find answers. I really think that probably is ultimately what made me successful with Motion Makers. So there you go. Free ad. Thanks. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on the podcast for your advice. And can't wait to ride again with you really soon. Yeah, or at this rate, we're going to go ski together. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ken. Thank you so much. Catch up soon. Thanks, Heather. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Now I would like to welcome in John Robinson of Johnny Velo Bikes, Columbus, Ohio. John opened Johnny Velo Bikes in 2018 after leaving his corporate banking career and following his passion. Cycling has been integral to John's life since he and his father used to ride to the library in the small Ohio town where he grew up. John captains a team for Central Ohio's cancer fundraising ride that attracts 8,000 plus riders in a single weekend and considers community service and charity work among his top priorities as a small business owner. He's also an advocate for cycling infrastructure and policy in Columbus and was part of an effort to create safe, safe bikeways in the community the shop serves. After just one year in business, John was awarded Business Person of the Year and is consistently among the top-reviewed shops in Columbus. An NBDA board member since 2019 and chair of the DEI committee, welcome, John, to Bicycle Retail Radio. How are you? Hey, great, Heather. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm so excited. So special episode, very special episode to close out 2022 
and give retailers some best tips and advice moving into 2023. I mean, the reports I'm hearing, John, if you're hearing anything like like I am, it's heavy inventory, cash flow issues. It's tough right now. We really have to hunker down. Looking big picture, what are you thinking? What's some good strategies that you're implementing? Well, I'm hunkering down as well as much as I can. I don't know what it was, but October, it was like all of a sudden we were hearing crickets. And I, I the only thing I can come across is it's the economy. And, you know, from what I'm hearing, I just heard on the radio today a financial analyst talking and said, you know, people are kind of talking about recession right now. In 2023, they're going to be yelling it. So don't overextend yourselves draw back, cancel orders if you need to. Don't put yourself in a position right now where you're taking a lot of extra inventory on. That would be my advice right now. Net 2023 is going to be a difficult year. I think the market's oversaturated. We're going to be earning every dollar we make next year. That's for sure. Yeah. John, I know you do so much to build your community. I think just this past weekend, uh, you did a ride that attracted a lot of people. I want to ask you specifically in regards to building community. I know retailers are trying to get that door swing up, attract new customers. Any best strategies or tips there? Building community. The one thing I'd say is give your shop a personality. Let people know that your shop stands for something or you do something or Give it some type of a personality. Do something quirky in your community if you want to. You don't be afraid to reach out to other organizations and say, hey, I'd like to partner with you. You know, I've been doing, since I started, the Clintonville bike decorating contest every July 4th. That was something that had been going on for years before me, but none of the other bike shops were taking advantage of, of wanting to do something like that in our community. So I get the opportunity now to see about 75 kids every July 4th decorate their bikes and I donate a kid's bike to the the winner. So don't be afraid to reach out to other groups or or find ways you can cross-pollinate your marketing. We do a pride ride every year. We were the only shop in town doing a pride ride three years ago. Now there's two other shops that are piggyback on doing their own pride rides as well. And Christmas, Santa ride. We just had our Santa ride, as you mentioned, this past weekend. Last year, I put one together in six days and we had about 20 riders. This year, I tied it to helping a fellow cyclist that had been attacked by a pack of dogs and had to have her leg amputated. And we had over 250 riders and raised over $7,000. Don't be afraid to put your neck out there and you, you know, maybe one year, you know, you get 10, 15 riders, but continue doing that. And people recognize that even if they don't participate in it, they see it on social media. I came home after the ride and all over the Clintonville Facebook sites were people that saw us riding about a mile's worth of Santa's <laughs> dressed up, riding down the main street in Columbus High Street. And I got so many people sending and posting videos of, you know, just the whole group of Santas. So that was something I didn't even post, but our community is posting it and people know it's the Johnny Velo Santa ride. 
I love it. And you do, you are very authentic in your messaging. I subscribe to your newsletter and it makes me want to open them. I mean, your messaging is very unique and I can see how your community would be drawn to that. So I I get almost a 50% open rate on my emails between 45 to 50%. And I do it because I want to have a personality in the email. I want people to guess what is he going to do this month. And it's worked for me. Yeah. So I love that. Be original, be authentic and just go for it. John, the next question I want to ask you is sensitive. You know, there's conversation that the margins that we're getting from our vendors barely cover our operating margin. And so in an effort to think about ways we can increase margin, possibly through maybe services we offer, I want to ask you specifically this question, because I do know you offer some services that do add to your bottom line. So can you share some strategies that have worked for you? Yeah. So I have two things that we offer in addition to buying a bike. One is the flat tire club and it's a one-time fee of $25 and they get lifetime flat fixes. Now you may say, but you're going to lose some money. I don't see it that way. The way I see it is I now have tied them to my shop for all their service needs and a new set of tires when someone needs it, you know, that's going to run anywhere from 100 to 150 bucks once you figure new tubes, tires, the service, that sort of thing, maybe even up to 200. So it's an easy way. It doesn't cost you anything until they come in with that first flat tire. And more than likely, you're going to fix that. The tube's going to cost you a dollar fifty, and hopefully, they're going to buy something else, or you see something else on the bike that needs service. So that's one of the things that I do. The other is we use the Rides program, which is a preventive maintenance type program. It's partnered with guess who? The MBDA. That's been a great program too to really increase your any I think anywhere from three to six margin points depending kind of on the the type of bike they buy that sort of thing and it's a great program again it ties them to your shop for service it gives preventive tune-ups it does crash coverage it does wear and tear it's a really good program the last time I checked last year. Almost 50% of all our adult bicycle sales had one or both of those programs. It's fantastic. That's fantastic. John, anything else, you know, for retailers who are just really, I don't know, I, I don't want to use the word stress, but there's so much going on right now. It's, it's a very hard time. Is there anything else that you're doing to best position yourself forward for next year? Yes. I'm focusing on myself right now. I am going through a pretty contentious divorce. I won't go into all those details, but I've had some health issues that happened this year. We had a horrible spring. We're having a terrible fall or winter right now. And it's just time for me to kind of focus on myself, re-energize, get ready for next year. I've been doing, signed up for yoga about two weeks ago. And I think I'm on my seventh or eighth yoga class in about a week and a half. So I'm kind of focusing myself, focusing on my health so that next year I'm I'm going to be ready to tackle anything that comes towards me. I love that. All right. Final question for you. We receive a lot of advice over the years. I'm sure, you know, being starting up your business, making the transition, you've been a member of our P2 program, you interact with other board members. Is there any advice that has really stuck out to you over the years? 
Oh boy. Any advice that's really stuck out? Yes. Don't do sales. Don't do Don't sales. create a bike just because it's a, a year ending bike. Like right now, the 2022s. Don't just mark them down because they're 2022s. Do not put those bikes on sale unless you need cash flow or things like that. Don't let people wait until the end of the year and get them trained so that they realize, hey, now's the time to go buy a bike because they're slow or something like that. You know, my son is in the furniture retail industry as well. And he has great months and he has really poor months. Guess what his great months are? When they have a national holiday, President's Day, Memorial Day, you know, Labor Day, that's because people wait to buy furniture around those times. Break that habit. And I'll give one other piece of advice too. It's a little harder to do, but why are we letting people bring in outside parts that you can get from your distributors to put on bikes for service? Mm. I don't understand that. To me, it's like taking your own steak into a restaurant, giving it to the chef and say, cook this for me, please. I don't know why our industry does that, allows that. But if you can get the parts, you should be selling them the parts, not them bringing the parts to you. I love that. I love that. John, thank you. Thank you for taking your time. I know you're super busy and you know you had a busy weekend, but I really appreciate working with you through the MBDA and you coming on the podcast to share your advice. Oh, happy to help, Heather, anytime. Merry Christmas. Thanks, John. You too. Bicycle Retail Radio is supported by our NBDA members. All our member benefits can be found at nbda.com. Join the NBDA today. All right. Now I would like to welcome in Jillian Forsyth, BFF Bikes, Chicago, Illinois. Prior to purchasing BFF Bikes, which was established in 2013, Jillian's career was spent behind the desk as a financial accountant. In 2020, she left the corporate world and never looked back. As the owner of BFF Bikes, Jillian focuses on education and helping new cyclists get started. Fundraising and charity is near and dear to Jillian's heart. And with an athlete coaching background, she uses the shop to raise money and volunteers her coaching efforts to help many different organizations. Jillian joined the MBDA board in the spring of 2022 and is a member of our MBDA P2 program. Jillian, welcome to Bicycle Retail Radio. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Heather. Great to be here. I'm so happy that our board members are coming together to give some collective wisdom to our members, to our industry at large. The last couple of years have been so crazy. And right now, we're hearing too much inventory, staffing issues, cash flow troubles. I mean, a lot of retailers facing a lot of different challenges right now. So from where you're standing, looking at the big picture as we close 2022 and we roll into 2023, what's your strategy for growth and success? I am trying to think outside of kind of just the normal bike sales box, I guess, and trying to think of ways where you know, I have a sales floor and I have a service area and I'm trying to, I'm trying to be flexible in how I use that space so that I can maximize, you know, the revenue going into 2023, knowing that there could be, you know, this, this drop in sales 
and knowing that there's more people assumably on bikes and getting a new bikes. So focusing a little bit more on the service, increasing the service area. So I just try to be, I'm just trying to get ahead of that and trying to think about what I can do to maximize that revenue in 2023. If things are as bleak as they are, are looking like they're going to be. Yeah, that seems to be an answer that several of our board members have said, you know, look at the services you can offer, look at your service department. And I've seen, you know, I definitely follow all of BFF Bike's social feeds, and I've been seeing you doing lots for the holidays, lots of gift guides, lots of things to get your community involved. Have you seen people responding to that? Yeah, we've had really good luck with people wanting to attend some of our service clinics. We do like a really in-depth service clinic in January. So that's a, a has been a really good kind of Christmas gift, kind of the, the whole give the gift of knowledge type thing. And I think people generally want to know how their bikes work and how to, you know, fix their own bikes and not have to come back to the store, you know, time and time again. And that's kind of BFF, one of BFF's things is that we do like to do fix a flat clinics. This particular clinic is something we do in the winter to pump up the cash flow a little bit uh, when times are a little bit low, but it's pretty successful. I love that idea. And get people in the store when it's maybe cold out, right? So you came onto the MBDA board and I know you have an impressive background in accounting. So Mm -hmm. since I have you on the podcast for retailers who are possibly planning budgets right now for 2023, any best tips? Be ultra conservative, like definitely look back at your last five years and try to kind of average that out. So don't take your your best year or don't take your worst year. Try to take the last five years and and average it out and maybe do like uh, a worst case scenario and a best case scenario where you take the average of the five years and maybe take 10% off and then put 10% on and kind of see where you end up in terms of your cash flow because everybody has everyone's different in terms of like where they're at and in their you know their assets and things like that. So but you know, that's a, that's what we kind of always did in the corporate world in terms of forecasting. And then also, you know, meet with your accountant before the end of the year. I mean, I, I know I do. And, you know, there's a tax payment that I can make through the, I'm not a tax accountant, but you know, there's a tax payment I can make early before the end of the year that is helpful to BFF as well as my personal taxes. So meet with your accountant. That always helps. Awesome. Fantastic tips. So for listeners, BFF Bikes is really a women-centric shop, not catering just to women, but there's a lot of things they do that are women-centric. So Jillian, thoughts on making the shop more approachable to women? This is something that we have we get a lot of questions on from our members. Anything there? Speaking from a personal experience, you know, I would always find it very intimidating going into a bike shop, asking questions or asking for advice. And I think being kind of intimidation free and being as friendly. I mean, everyone likes to be friendly, not just women, but I mean, I think it's just being more inviting and less intimidating is probably the first and foremost tip I I would give. I love that. And it's to everyone, like all bodies on bikes, right? Regardless of gender or anything, right? It is. Yeah. Because I mean, surprisingly enough, I mean, not surprisingly, I guess, but you know, men definitely can find it intimidating too, but we like to make it as easy as possible for people to get on bikes and to get the information they need to do that. 
I love that. All right. So a few years into owning a shop now, I mean, biggest surprise. Do you love it? (laughs) How is it? It's been a roller coaster over two years. I've never thought of myself as a, as a salesy person. So like, I'm always like been in, you know, my 20 years of accounting kind of sit behind a desk girl and sort of like do my job and hunker down. And I definitely, I'm outside of my, a little bit outside of my comfort zone, just being not salesy and just like selling one bike, but just in general, like trying to get people into the store and thinking about events and clinics and all sorts of things, trying to get people into the store to to buy stuff. <laughs> so many things to juggle, right? The bicycle yeah. retailer owner is the marketing person, the salesperson, the service person. I mean, the, the accountant, I mean, there's so much, right? <laughs> so much. Yeah. I mean, HR, that's a tough one, especially in a, in a climate where there's an off season and on season. You want to be able to keep people on, but it's sometimes you just can't. So hard right now. All right. So I'm not going to keep you too long. I have one more question. I'm sure you've received a lot of business advice over the years. Is there anything that really stands out to you as the best advice that you have received? Well, I mean, not to sound cliche about the MBDA, but having people that you can bounce ideas off of. I mean, I could think of probably a million things right now where advice I've gotten in the past two years that I've been with the NBDA. And yeah, I know I come from a standpoint of being new into the industry, but I feel even the people that have been in the industry for a while have, have learned off of some of our meetings and some of the podcasts and everything else that I think that experience, that information has been invaluable to me for sure. I love that. I love that. Well, Jillian, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing your best tips, for being a CPA board member. I love that I get to work with you. And yeah, have a nice afternoon. See you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. My final guest is Chad Picard, MBDA board, second vice chair and owner of Spoken Sport, South Dakota with three locations. In sixth grade, Chad took apart and rebuilt his first coaster break hub. It was that curiosity that kept him working in bike service shops from the age of 14 till buying Spoken Sport in 2001. 20 plus years of bicycle retail experience coupled with advocacy work and extreme passion have fueled a career centered on improving the customer experience while driving retail professionalism and profitability. An MBDA board member since 2018, big Hans Ray fan, member of the MBDA Best Practices Committee, chair of the MBDA board nomination committee, and sometimes bicycle retail radio podcast host, Chad, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. I see you were on my Wikipedia page. I know, it's quite a mouthful. But no, seriously, I, you know, demonstrating that you have multiple roles within the industry, been involved for a long time, run a profitable business with three locations, very active on the MBDA board. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, you bet. So the concept here, I know I spoke to you off air, but we are chatting about best practices for our retail listeners moving into 2023. So kind of 2022 has been interesting. A lot of retailers right now, as we close out the year, are talking about heavy inventory, not the right inventory, vendors possibly shipping stuff that they don't need, cash flow troubles, just being stressed out in general. So for you, what do you think moving into 2023? I think a lot of things. The last two and a half years have been, you know, fairly, I'm going to say easy. It's it's been challenging, but we've, when it comes to inventory, 
the number one spec has been availability. And and almost in a lot of markets, all we've had to say is here, take this. This is what I have. And customers have been forced to make the decision. Do I wait six months for that perfect thing? Or do I buy now and take what's available? Relationships with our vendors are, are possibly stressed because now that's completely changed. There's more inventory. I think the relationships with our our customers have completely changed now because they're seeing all the inventory, whether it's you know via email or websites. And I think the relationships between our between the leaders at our stores, our, our managers, and and our staff has changed as well because you know the last two and a half years it was just hustle and and just present as much stuff in front of the customers you can. They'll buy it all. So now we we're taking a step back to actually learning how to sell something, how how to create an experience that is appealing to the customer. So yeah, it's 2023 is going to be interesting. Yeah. I love that. It's you know, you're the fifth board member to come on the podcast and I have some themes that are kind of throughout the interviews and this coming back to actually training our staff how to sell again is something that I've heard often during this podcast. So getting into that, so 2023, your strategy then is going to be to hunker down and retrain your staff and you know maybe communicate with your vendors? Yeah. So starting with the vendors, that's probably, I think, what's on a lot of people's minds because they're getting emails day after day, like buy more, but also, hey, you've got you know your past due 30 days or what have you. Email is kind of faceless. And so most of the vendors are are interested in preserving future business with their retailers. And a lot of them are willing willing to listen. You want to come to them with a plan that says, hey, I'm going to get you paid off this day, or I'm going to get caught up this day. If you're past due, you know, if you have prior commitments to inventory, show them a plan that's going to be successful for both of you. But talk on the phone. It's it's not a back and forth email. Email is probably going to waste a lot of your time because it's it's more or less a a monologue in some sense. But yeah, connect with your your outside reps, your inside reps, and work on a plan with them. It, it's probably not going to, well, it's not going to be easy. And it's it's certainly going to take listening to your rep, looking for that win-win where you both can come out of 2023 successfully. Yeah, that communication is key. And for our listeners, again, the MBDA connects that webpage there. You can find the work of the Best Practices Committee. They've published four documents that I highly suggest you take a look at Chad, just going forward here into navigating the inventory, you know, we just came off of the Black Friday holiday sale, lots of promotions, lots of discounting, possibly inventory that we just, it's really hard to get rid of right now. Do we hold on to it? Do we just go along with the flow and discount it? I mean, that's a hard question, but what are your thoughts? I think it's probably a combination of all of that. I tend to think that as an industry, we are are hyper focused on our inventory and our every SKU that we have. And I don't think we need to be. We know what product X is, and we know that maybe it's discounted by a vendor on their website. It, it's it's discounted by you know maybe some other online company. But the consumer coming into our store isn't necessarily looking for that discount. You know, someone told me a long time ago that if you have a customer shopping online and in your store, or or visiting both, all you have to ask him is if everything were equal, where would you rather buy it? If the consumer says, well, I, of course, would want to buy it from you. Well, then you need to build up the value of that. And that value can be, you know, the ability to touch it or try it on or test ride it. That value might be someone with authority saying, oh, you're going on this type of bike ride. You need this product 
matched with this and this and this. And so there's a lot of value to that. So there's at retail, there's a lot more elasticity in that price than we think. It also gives us a, a chance to pivot to a brand that maybe isn't being discounted, which goes back to your your product selection. You know, do you want to carry that brand that is quick to mark their stuff down? I don't think so. But you've got to be the judge of, you know, if you're going to, if you want a, a top tier brand, that's a, a risk you, you'll have to take. It might be worth it, but you, you got to know your numbers and, and, you know, realize, can you take that discount and be successful? Yeah, there's a lot there. But all right. So let's go, though, into the margin shrinking, because we do know that margins are shrinking. Regardless if we're discounting, it's really hard to cover our operating expenses right now. Where can we make extra margin? Where should we be focused? We'll just table services because your margin on your services should be great. So let's so always be selling those. I, I hope that's an obvious one. I hope websites should be advertising, you know, your turnaround timeframe for repairs, the the services you offered, whatever. So we'll just put that on the side. The packaging of of products with services, a bike with a fit, or different service items with new components is is an option. Again, relate if it's product that you already have in stock and vendors are are marking it down call your vendors, look for credits. There's nothing wrong with that. The answer will always be no if you never ask. Also check with your your vendors and and see, you know, if they have products that they're maybe sitting heavy on that they're willing to discount deeper to get rid of. If you have cash in the bank from the last few years, I wouldn't go heavy, but but look at some opportunity buys that will you can help balance that margin out over you know a couple different categories by buying some stuff that's marked down. Those are the things that I, I would look for. Awesome. All right. Here's another one for you. Let's touch on customer experience because in the blurb, I I looked up your bio. It's something that you're really great at and you guys offer a great customer service. How can we continue to wow our customers and give talked about unprecedented service? Training, 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 and not weights and stuff like that. But the tech stuff, it's important. But how do you actually sell a product? How do you present it? How do you interact with your customer when they come in the door. I mean, they want to be they want to be taken care of. They want to know that that you're not going to leave them hanging. And and it's it's as simple as instead of asking them if they want you to take their bike out to their car for them, just do it. Just just grab their bike and say, "Hey, let's take this out to your car and get it loaded up." It's things like, you know, when they're going to go on a test ride in a parking lot, tell them where to go. Tell them where to ride or how to ride or or the things to notice. Assume that they've never ridden a bike before in their life. And I assure you, they'll tell you if they if if they have and they know what to look for, but always be giving them something that, that shows you're an authority and that you care about them and, and you want their success. I, I think that's the biggest thing. And I, I think a lot of amazing restaurants, if you drop your fork, you shouldn't have to ask for another one. At an amazing restaurant, it'll be, it'll just appear out of nowhere right next to you. Good servers are, are awesome like that. I love it. And I'm going to add to that because I follow the social feeds of the store and I've signed up for your new newsletter and your email. And I think it goes post-purchase too, because I see your photos of the new person with, or the person with their new bike. And then even on your emails, it's like, you're talking to me as a customer about the things I forgot, or I didn't know I needed. So I think it goes post-service as well, post-experience. Post yeah. Yeah. And if we think of, you know, the lifetime value of a customer, I mean, just pencil it out on paper, you know, they start on a strider and then they get a 20 inch wheel bike and then a 24 and then, or maybe it's as an adult, they start with a hybrid, but they end up 
15 years later, race and cycle cross or something like that. I mean, there's a value to that. I mean, what we do, we, we love bikes and we love sharing that experience. Let's make it a lifetime experience for our customers. And what that gives us in return is we can offer great jobs. We, we have sustainability. So we're going to be here tomorrow to continue to service them. Yeah, that experience is important. And it's it's never, I don't ever want it to be after the sale. I want it, I want the sale to continue. I want it to be part of of a relationship instead of just a sale and it's done. Yeah. Something that needs to continue. Yeah. All right. So I'm super fortunate that I've had the opportunity to spend time with you and other board members riding bikes and getting, you know, that kind of passion going on the trail. And then we bring that back into our jobs, which I think is so important. You're a member of our P2 program. And I know a lot of people do lean on you and call you up for advice just talking right now about retailers leaning on each other. I'm sure you find value in that. Absolutely. We're at a time where we don't have too many new problems. The, the problems, there might be unique scenarios in each problem, but if it's a staffing problem or a product problem, there's probably someone else in your circle or maybe in, a, in an adjacent industry, they've had the problem. And, and all you need to do is connect with someone, start asking a shop in the other town, have you ever had this problem? Connect with them and say, hey, have you had this problem? And if they haven't had the problem, ask someone else. And I'm guessing you won't have to go too far before you find someone that's found a solution for that problem. And definitely look outside of our industry. Other industries have such similar problems and they've solved them. But the more you connect and network with those people, the quicker you're going to find solutions to your problems. It's so true. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this one, but 2023, anything for yourself? Anything for myself? Oh, yeah. There are, yeah, working on a lot of things, a couple trips. I'm trying to set some, in about a month, I'll be able to set some goals for some trips I want to do. You know, there's a 100 mile ride out in, in the Black Hills I want to spend a weekend and do. It's all in one day. It's just a beautiful ride. 100 miles for me is, might be a little bit of a challenge. I'm a mountain biker, but. Yeah, hopefully end of the year, maybe a trip overseas. So yeah, that's what I'm looking at for me. Super, super. All right, final question. Talking about best tips, advice forward. I'm sure you've received a bunch of tips and advice over the years. Is there anything that stands out to you? Something that you reflect back on that you have gotten as advice? Yes, it's so important. I can't remember who told me. And I, I think it's a it's used maybe fairly often in the retail business, but the, the idea is, you know, investing in employees and training them. The question is, well, what if I train them and they leave? Well, what if you don't train them and they stay? I think about that a lot with my own employees. I think about that when when other people ask me about training. And yeah, the worst thing we can do is have employees on our sales floor that aren't trained in how to sell and, and treat people well. That's perfect. Awesome. Chad, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Bye. Thank you for listening to Bicycle Retail Radio. This podcast is designed specifically for the bicycle industry, dedicated to strengthening our retailers and cycling community. If this is your first episode, we urge you to take time and listen to our past episodes. Support the show by first subscribing, then share your favorite episode with friends online. You can go one step further and leave a review. It helps members of our industry find our podcast. Special thanks to MBDA Development Director Rochelle Scouten for the editing and promotional graphics. We appreciate your support. Thank you for listening. See you back here soon. And with this, we go. This has been Bicycle Retail Radio by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. 
For more information on membership and member benefits, join us at nbda.com. Oh,